We, we worship God because he's holy. We praise God for his goodness and what it is he has done for us. And we thank God for his goodness. And this morning, I want you to look with me at a very great passage in the Bible. But before we do so, let me just kind of say, if you look back in John chapter 20, John 20 ends with a final conclusion. If you look at those verses in verses 30 and 31, it gives us the purpose for John writing that particular book. And he wrote that book for the simple reason that we may believe. And at the conclusion of John, you would think that the next book that we would open to would be the book of Acts. But for some particular reason, that is not the case. Uh, There is a John 21. And John 21 is written somewhat as an epilogue. And that is written for the simple reason there is some unfinished work that Jesus needs to do. So this morning we're going to see John 21 teaches us something very, very important about the heart of God. Peter, as we all know, was a great failure. Peter was a great denier. If Thomas was a great doubter, well, Peter was the greatest denier of Jesus Christ. Peter, he fumbled and he failed. We see over and over in the Bible, Peter at his worst and at his weakest during Jesus' trial. Now, John 21, verses 15 through 17, we will see Jesus' heart to rescue Peter. Jesus' heart to reclaim Peter. Jesus' heart to restore Peter. And to renew a big sinner such as Peter. Now, there is no record of Jesus addressing the failure or the denier of Peter. And so we will look at one of the most heart-breaking, tender episodes in the Bible. And we are going to see two things, and I think they will bleed into one another. In John 1 through 14, we will see a great failure received great forgiveness. And the verses that I want to address this morning, John 15 through 17, we will see a great failure become a great follower. Will you bow with me in prayer, please? Our great God and Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your grace on display in the life of your servant Peter, Lord, we pray that you would help us as Peter to look at the Savior who pursues us, saves us, and reclaims us who strays.
And may we, Lord, with that understanding, be coupled with such love wrought by your spirit in our hearts that will spill over in fruitful obedience that will bring glory to Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us for the idiots in the name of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, I pray. Now, if you will, stand with me as we read the word of God. And I'm only going to read uh, verses 15 through 17. Okay, hear the word of God as recorded in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Now understand, John is writing this under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and John is addressing Peter as Simon Peter, which is his full name. But we're going to see Jesus doesn't address him that way, because the next verse, it says, he said to him, Jesus said to Peter, yes, Lord, you know that, I'm sorry. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The grass wither and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now I'm going to focus and concentrate on verses 15 through 17, but let me just say this in regard to the first 14 verses. Now, if we look at verse, verses 1 through 3 in your Bible, uh, you will see something that I call a refresher course taking place. Now, Jesus had appeared to the disciples on several occasions, and he had told them to go into Galilee and to wait on him. But evidently, the disciples had become impatient, and they decided to do something else. So, Peter made a decision that he said, you know what, guys, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, I don't know about this evangelism, I don't know about this following Jesus Christ, I'm going back fishing. And that's what Peter decided to do. And in the midst of Peter deciding to do that, the rest of the disciples said, I'm going with you. So you can really see that one disobedient is leading others into disobedient as well. So these disciples are being disobedient to what Christ had told them to do. And if you notice in those particular verses, they are not doing what Jesus told them to do. And I say this this morning, church, 
it is so important to understand that once Christ calls a man or woman, he or she can never go back to being what he or she was before. And Peter is a good example of that because Jesus has called him to be a disciple. In fact, if you read back in John 20, Jesus has commissioned them to go out and preach the word of God. But yet Peter, being who he is, and thinking that he is not part of the crowd anymore based on what has transpired during Jesus' trial, he doesn't feel part of the group anymore. So he is leaving discipleship and going back to his old business. And I say this also this morning. Whenever we deny Christ, by word or by deed, we lose three valuable things. We lose our joy, we lose our assurance of salvation, and we lose our boldness. And Peter lost all three of those things. He had no joy, he had no assurance, and he had no boldness anymore. And if you look at verses 4 through 6, we will see Jesus as the master. That night, they caught nothing. And it will be interesting to know that perhaps they caught nothing because Jesus was part of why they caught nothing, because they were disobedient. So now, as they come near the shore, they see a long figure standing there. And they, they, they see this figure for the simple reason that they cannot even recognize who this figure is. And guess what? You can't recognize who Jesus is unless he allows you to recognize who he is. So moving on to verse 7 and 8, it tells us that John realized that this stranger that they thought is none other than Jesus. At that moment, notice what Peter does. Peter jumps into the water. Peter is regaining his joy back. He is regaining his joy for his Savior. And returned eagerly, and he jumps into the water, and he swims ashore to Jesus. And you remember what I just said, when we are disobedient, we lose our joy. We lose our assurance, and we lose our boldness. But now we see Peter is getting his joy back. Now, looking at verses 9 through 14, and if you notice, I'm not reading those verses. I'm just giving some kind of exegetical interpretation of those verses because I want to get to verses 15 through 17. Now, they finally get to shore, and Jesus shares a meal with the disciples. And Jesus is acting as the host of this meal. Now, Jesus has already prepared a fire and cooked some fish when the disciples came ashore with a net filled with fish. They had gone fishing and caught nothing, and Jesus encourages them to cast their net on the other side. And they only cast their net just the width of this boat. And these guys are professional fishermen, but yet they have fished all night and caught nothing. 
And Jesus graciously invites them to come and have breakfast and also to bring some of the catch with them. And I say this, there's a part that Jesus does and there's a part that we do. But I stand here this morning and tell you that the part that Jesus Christ does is far greater than the part that we do. And I say this for the simple reason, if you remember Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and he told the disciples to do what? Loose him. So we have a part to do, and Jesus has a part to do. Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side, because they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And when they did that, there was a great catch. But yet, Jesus had already fixed breakfast for them and invited them to breakfast, but yet he told them, bring some of the catch with you. So always remember that. We have a part to do, and he has a part to do. And I think about this morning just talking with a young lady, and I ask, pray for me. And I stand here this morning by the power of God and the authority of Jesus Christ and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I know without a doubt if God snatched the breath out of my body this morning, I would just fall dead up here. So I have a part to do this morning, but yet his part is far greater than my part. His part is to sustain me that I can proclaim the word of God. And I praise God this morning for that. I praise him. And it humbles me to know that he can ask for my breath any time. That is the most humbling thing in my entire life. That I do nothing apart from him. Because I got to give him the credit because he sustained the breath in my body. So I stand here this morning... And want to share with you one of the most incredible conversations between God and man in the Bible. And we're going to look at those verses. And this interview was conducted within the hearing of other disciples. And it was conducted in that capacity for the simple reason that Peter publicly denied Jesus Christ in front of people. And Jesus must deal with his sin publicly in front of people. And that's what we're going to see. So Peter had openly professed his loyalty before the crucifixion, and Jesus wanted the other disciples to understand Peter's restoration. Because guess what? They needed restoration as well. Because they are disobedient as well. But Jesus is dealing with Peter based upon something else, and we all know what that something else is, is those three denials that he made during Jesus' trial. So what our Lord elicits out of Peter this morning is what he wants out of us as well. And I tell you, this is a wonderful model for a call to love Christ. It is a wonderful model a call to sacrifice for Jesus Christ, a call to obedience, a call to follow Christ no matter what. And we know salvation is not cheap because Peter was martyr for Jesus Christ. And perhaps 
in this country, down the road, you and I may not experience that, but I often think about sometimes what my great-great-grandkids would go through in this country. And you must think that way as well because it is coming. So in order to understand and apply this passage, let us break John 21, 15 through 17 down into three sections. And they're going to be some short sections. And we're going to see an interchange between Jesus and Peter. And this interchange between Jesus and Peter consists of a question, a response, and a command. This interchange consists of a question from Jesus Christ, a response from Peter, and Jesus give Peter a command. Let's look at the first interchange. And this first interchange is in verse 15. The first question is in verse 15a. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, this is a very intriguing question for many reasons. One reason is it is comparative in nature. This question is in relationship to other people. And those other people or other things, we're going to see that. Peter, do you love me more than these? What if the these? Let me give you three possibilities of what the these might be. One possibility is, do you love me more than these fishing nets? Because he had gone back fishing. He said, do you love me more than this catch? These 153 fishes that you just caught. Because he had gone back fishing. Peter, do you love me more than your family? And because this was a family business that Peter was returning to after his failure. In other words, Peter, are you willing to leave your occupation? Are you willing to leave the security of your family to practice to follow me and do my will? Peter, are you willing to do that? Another possibility of these, these is this. Peter, do you love me more than these men? Those other disciples there with him. He is asking him in a comparative sense, do you love me more than these men here? Because guess what? Peter had been with these men for what, several years? Three or three years at the most. So they had developed a real close bond relationship. And Jesus wants to know, do you love me, Peter, more than you love these men that you have developed a fertile relationship with? Peter, are you willing to lead those whom you love and follow me? Now here's another possibility of these. Peter, do you love me more than these men love me? He asked him, do you love me more than you love these men? Now he's asking him, do you love me more than these men love me? 
And, and I like to put it together and say, you take all of these men's love and you put it together, Peter, do you love me more than that? And I'm going to tell you why I think that's the case. Because if you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 26, you'll see exactly why I'm saying this. Now notice in Matthew chapter 26, verse 21 and 22. When Jesus declared in the upper room in verse 21, he said, one of you will betray me. And they all declared in verse 22, surely not I, Lord. All of them said this. Then Jesus told Peter, Surely not our Lord. Then Jesus told Peter in verse, look at verse 34. You shall deny me three times. Peter responded in verse 33 and 35. Peter said, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So Jesus is reminding Peter of what he had said previously in the upper room during that supper, the last supper that Jesus shared with them. So he reminded him, so you see why Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than these men love me? Because all of them declared that they would not deny Jesus. So now, Jesus said, okay, Peter, based upon me reminding you of what you said, now, do you love me more than these men love me? Peter, will you really be the one who stayed true to me? This is, now, understand now, Jesus is talking in terms of agape love. This is the highest form of love, which is an intellectual, volitional, committed love. This is the type of love that Jesus is probing Peter's mind for. Agape love. Now, Jesus wanted Peter to love him so supremely as to forsake all that he was familiar with and be devoted to bring a fisher of men. In Christ, if Christ was talking to us and he were to ask us, do you love me more than these? For you, what would these refer to? If Jesus Christ was talking to us this morning, and I believe that he is, what would these be for us? Would it be our careers? Would it be our family? Would it be our houses? Our children? Would it be our spouse? Would it be our health? You fill it in. I'm going to share a story with you. I remember when my firstborn, Johansson, was born. I never will forget this. And the, the love that you see me express for God today 
it, it, it wasn't there. When Johansi was born, I began to love Johansi more than I loved God. I really began to love my son more than I loved God. And I always have tried to be a friend of pastor. So I was in this particular church, and I went by and I talked with this pastor, and I said, Pastor, I said, I really have a problem. I said, my love for Christ has just dissipated and just has wings since I have had my son. So what he did is this. He went and opened up the Bible, and he showed me the first act of worship in the Bible. And the first act of worship in the Bible was Abraham offering up who? That's what he showed me. The first act of worship in the Bible was that. So I knew what I had to do. I really had to offer my son up to the Lord. Not in that sense, but I just had to go and get on my knees and say, Lord, you gave him to me, and in the end, he's going to belong to you. And in between, he shall belong to you as well. And that really freed me of not worshiping my children. And I share that story with you this morning because it can happen. And I know it can happen because it happened to me. So this morning, the message that Jesus delivered to Simon Peter is the message for us. And that is, Lord Jesus, only you deserve to be on the throne of my heart. Only you deserve to be on the throne of our heart. So we saw the first question that Jesus asked Peter. Let's look at Peter's response here in verse 15. Peter's first response, Peter does not trust in his response anymore based upon Jesus reminding him of what he said in the upper room. So Peter falls on the mercy of Christ and say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Peter is responding to Jesus with a less love and say, Jesus, I have a strong love for you. I have a deep affection for you, but not on the level that you're asking me. A total commitment. So Jesus is using agape love, but Peter's love has fell down to what? Say that again. Phileo love. Wow. Man, I tell you. A brotherly love, deep affection, and when Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, he used a word for love that signified total commitment. Jesus wants total commitment from Peter, but Peter cannot totally commit himself to Jesus Christ. 
because of his failure. He don't think he's part of the team anymore. But by virtue of Jesus Christ communicating with him, it says something. So right now, Jesus pressed home to Peter the need for a devotional love that is supremely. So the essential message here is that Jesus demands total commitment from his followers. Their love for him must place him above their love for all else. Now notice the first command that Jesus gives to Peter. He says, ten, or depending on what Bible you read, feed my lambs. Now notice what he say. He say, Peter, ten, or feed my lambs. And these lambs are the young, immature Christians who sometimes wonder, who sometimes strays. And he call them lambs. He say, tend to them, Peter. He say, feed them, Peter. You think about James. You know what James say? Faith without works is what? You see what he's saying to Peter? Peter... Even though Peter can't say, Jesus, I love you, but he has initially said, I'd do anything for you, Jesus. If that's the case, well, what are you doing to show that? We're not talking about working for your salvation. We're not talking about that. But you see the point here, over and over, Jesus gives him a command to do something. He said, tend my lamb. And the word tend conveys the idea of being devoted to the Lord's service as an under-shepherd who cares for his flock. So you see what Jesus is doing. He is calling Peter into service, into ministry as a shepherd. That's what he's doing. And he's restoring Peter at the same time. And it's just going to fall out so beautiful and so pretty because in the end, Peter is going to adhere to what needs to be done. Okay? But notice this right here in that verse. He says, feed my sheep. See, the sheep belong to Jesus Christ. That's who they belong to. But Peter, as an under-shepherd, being assigned as an under-shepherd, he has a responsibility. Okay? Okay, now notice this, the, 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 uh, the second question Jesus asked of Peter. And that's in verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Jesus still using the highest form of love, which is agape with Peter. But this time, he is not using any comparison at all. He is just asking Peter, standing on his own, not looking around at anyone else, do you love me, Peter? That's what he's asking. And notice, Jesus does not address him as Simon Peter. He just addressed him as Simon, his old name. 
Jesus was in the process of teaching Peter that apart from his strength, Peter was a piece of crumbling sandstone, and Jesus is still using the word agape with Peter. And notice in that verse only, different in Jesus' reply is, he changed from lamb to sheep. And now he is encouraging Peter, the more mature Christians, I want you to keep them in fellowship. Keep them in fellowship. Now notice Peter's second response. Verse 16, he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus gave the second command. And he says, depending on what version of the Bible you read, he says, shepherd my sheep. And shepherding means take care of them. So Jesus is saying, be a shepherd of my sheep. And these are little sheep, those not yet fully mature in their faith. So watch over them, protect them, guide them, and lead them. No more fishing, Peter. Shepherd my sheep. This is your calling. Once Christ called a person into ministry, they cannot ever go back to being what they was before. And do you see why Jesus confront Peter based upon his love for him? In order for Peter to be an effective shepherd, he must exemplify supreme, supreme love for his Lord and for his sheep. And that's so important that the search committee be able to detect that in the next shepherd that stand behind this pulpit that they exemplify supreme love for Jesus Christ and for Jesus' sheep. That is so important. And, and I say this right here, a little derivation. You know, sheep beget sheep. Sheep have sheep. Pastor beget pastor. You see where I'm going here? And I encourage, I, I kind of, this is a little late, <laughs> delayed thought, but it's so important that the next pastor does what? Pastor beget who? Pastors. The next pastor need to do what? Mentor people within the church that when he does leave, what can happen? Say it again. They rise up and take his place. That's exactly what happened with who? Moses and who? Also Elijah and who? You see what I'm saying? Pastor beget pastor. They don't do that anymore. And I'm going to tell you, that's a crime within the church. That's sad within the church. I apologize for that derivation, but that's something that... that Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me this morning. Yeah, when I was a little boy, that's what I kind of saw in the churches. I saw men raised right up in the church. When a guy stepped out, 
somebody else was there to step in. And that should be a requirement, you know, for the next guy that stands in this pulpit, that he mentor young men, young guys in the church to do that. But notice the third question here in verse 17. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The Lord uses Peter's word now. Now, this is very, very important to see there that before Jesus was using his form of love, which is agape love, that love that put Jesus Christ on the cross, he was asking Peter for a strong commitment to him, a commitment that he would be willing to die. But Peter couldn't say that, so Peter lowered the quality of his love down to a brotherly love. And I just thought about this to show you the implication of this brotherly love. I have two brothers that live within a hundred yards of each other. Born of the same womb, don't even speak to each other, and they are brothers. So just think about this kind of love that Peter done lowered his love to to tell Jesus that he loved him. It's a finicky love here, this phileo love that Peter's using here. And this hurts Peter hard now. It hurts Peter hard. And it's going to grieve Peter. And kind of watch this right here. And I know it's so easy to say that he is grieving over the three denials, which I believe that's the case too. But I'm going to tell you, this quality of love that Jesus had lowered down to Peter, I'm going to tell you, it, 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 it grieved Peter hard now because that is even being questioned. I even wonder, do you love me as a brother, Peter? Watch this here. And then he said, Lord, okay, the Lord uses Peter's word for love as he dropped agape love and uses phileo love. Peter, do you have deep affection for me? I'm really wondering, Peter, do you really have a deep affection for me? Now he uses Peter's word for love that signifies something less than total devotion. Jesus probed deep into Peter. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. He's not grieved because he said it to him three times, which we know those three are denials, which is all correlated in there as well, because he had to be forgiven those three times for those three denials. But this is about love here. He's grieved because the third time he said, do you fillet on me, Peter? So now Jesus is even questioning that quality of love from Peter. And notice what Peter says. And he says, Lord, you know all things. That's a good definition for omniscient. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now look what Jesus said to him. No more fishing, Peter. No more fishing. Cut it out. Your job now, Peter, is to take care of my little lamb. Your job now, Peter, is to take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. Tend to my sheep, Peter. 
And then the question brought grief to Peter. And as I said, I believe because of a combination of two things. Jesus changed from agape to the word of love Peter was using, and Jesus asked him three times. Look at the way scriptures imply this in the middle of verse 17. Now just read verse 17 real careful. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Three times Peter had denied the Lord. And we can read that back over in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus could have asked Peter many different questions to get some idea about their relationship. The only thing that Jesus wanted to know is, Peter, do you love me? And many in the church today has a great love for anything else but Jesus Christ. But we need to spend more time in prayer asking the Father to give us a greater love for his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. That is the only way to fulfill the greatest commandment ever given. Now notice this third response. In the middle of of, of, uh, verse 17, in this deep searching inquiry from Jesus and helping Peter determine his love for Jesus, we see growth demonstrated in Peter. We see some growth demonstrated in Peter. He is not trying to convince Jesus anymore of his love. He simply acknowledged the sovereign omniscience of Christ and he said, Lord, there isn't anything about me that you do not know. You know everything. You know that I have deep affection for you. Peter has called Jesus Lord. So Peter truly no longer is his own man. That word Lord is more than a word. It indicates a relationship. Jesus' total possession of Peter and Peter's total possession to Jesus. And notice this third command. We're about to close. In the last part of verse 17, Jesus tells Peter to tend my sheep. Tending means to feed the sheep and to feed the lamb. Jesus could have told Peter a thousand things to do. However, Jesus said, Peter, I want you to take care of my sheep. It may involve everything else, but the priority is to see that the sheep do not go hungry. As I said already, Jesus has a deep love for his church, and he wants leadership in it to be faithful in service to the sheep and to the lamb. The Lord asked him one question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Because you will follow what you love, you will serve what you love, and you will sacrifice for what you love. Not once does Peter say, I love you more than these. It's enough for Peter to say, Lord Jesus, you lived and died for me. By the power of your grace, You have pursued me and reclaimed me. I love you. And it spills out of his heart. What does it say to us this morning? Friend, here's the first step in following the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand you have a deep sense at the core of who you are that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And you add with the apostle Paul of whom I am chief.
Church, I ask you this morning, who do you love? That's the question. That is the question. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time and your word this morning. As always, Lord, so profoundly rich, seal it to our heart and use it, Lord, that it may bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, we want to love you perfectly more than we do. Enable us, Lord, to do that by your power, we pray in Christ's name.